We're on the top of Daf Nun Gimel Amadalaf, about five, six, seven lines from the top. Tanu Rabbanon. The Gemara continues here discussing the halachas of Shemitah, and mainly it's discussing beer by the time of Shemitah. When there's nothing available for the, in the, anim, for the wild animals in the field, you have to get rid of what you have in your house and put it out. To eliminate the beer from your house. So it goes through different fruits over here. At what point do you say that there's nothing available in the field anymore? We learned in the Braisa. You can continue eating the grapes in your house. Until the grapes of the place Eichel, Eichel is the name of a place, are gone. That's the main place where the grapes grew. So therefore, the Mishnah is saying, the Braith is saying that you look at that place of Eichel to see if the, there's any grapes left over there. In Yashmo Chares Mehen, if there are others in other areas that are later, that are there available in the fields even later than that, so Eichlen Aleim, you can still continue eating your grapes in the house. But generally speaking, you look at this place of Eichel that where most of the grapes grew. Eichlen Bezeisim, you could eat olives in your house. Achi Yichle Achrein until the last olives in the city, Takua doesn't have any olives available anymore. Takua is the place where the olives grew. That's uh, the Gemara says that's where they brought the <coughs> olives to make the Shemen Zayas for the base of Mikdash. So that's the place you have to look at. There was another area, Gush Cholov, that had all the olives over there. You have to look over there as well. And he says it's when a poor person goes out. He finds nothing, not in the branches of the tree and not by the stump of the tree. A quarter of a calf of olives, so not mamish when it's totally gone, but if he doesn't find a quarter of a calf of olives, so, so then you have to take out from your house all your olives. The next thing, you can eat your pressed figs, until the figs of Beishini are gone. Pagi actually means like they're smaller figs, they're like un, unripe uh, figs, and of this place, Beishini. When those figs are gone, then you have to take it out of your house. Omer Rabbi Yehuda, so Rabbi Yehuda says, Lehuskeru, Pagi Beishini, these Pagi Beishini, these small figs that did not really ripen properly, were not mentioned regarding Shemitah. It's mentioned regarding Maiser, because the Tanan or the Tanya, it says in the Braise, Page Beisini, the small figs of this area Beisini, the Ahini de Tuvina, and the dates of this area Tuvina, Chayavim Bemaiser. They are Chayavim Maiser, they're considered to be proper fruits in the Chayavim Maiser, even though they don't ripen properly like regular figs and dates, but the Chayavim Maiser. But he's saying that this is only mentioned regarding Meiser. Regarding Shmita, you don't have to look at this, uh, these uh, small dates to know if you can take it out of your house. That's not the regular dates, Bukhlaw. Oichlin, Betmarim, you can eat dates. This is, uh, we mentioned this before, this Mishnah. Until the last tree in Tsoyar, the area where the dates grew. So the last tree in Tsoyar, when the dates are gone, so then you have to take it out of your house. Shemagam Leo says, that you have to look at the tree, the nature of the tree is that it has leaves, it has branches it is, and it has also uh, uh, thorns. So Eichlin al Shobena Kipin. As long as there's dates left between the branches, then you're allowed to eat. But Shitsin. If there's dates that fall and they get stuck between thorns, that you're not allowed to eat in your house because the thorns, whatever's between the thorns, are not going to be available for the animals to eat. Ramini, one asks Astira on what we just said here. 
As another Braise, it says, You could eat grapes until Pesach, because until Pesach, throughout the year, until Pesach, this is actually referring to Pesach in the following year, of the after Shemitah, the entire time there's going to be enough grapes in the field. The olives, there's going to be enough available in the field until Shavuos time. You can eat figs until Hanukkah time. Dates you can eat until Purim time. So you see over here, this Braise is giving a different uh, uh, time. It's giving time frames of different time periods in the year. Before we said that you look at the times of when it's gone in the field, in this tree, in that place, in that place, each one giving a different place. But over here we're giving different time frames of the year. Mara just clarifies it that Rabbi Yechelen switched the last two that were between Hanukkah and Purim. So the figs is until Purim and the dates is until Hanukkah. He switched the last two. But either way, you see that this Braise gave time frames, not like we said before that we're giving the times that there are in the places of where it's gone on the trees. And says the Gemara, it's all the same shear. Before it's just telling you mitzah the trees, when it's gone on the trees, and then in this Braise, he tells you the time frame of when that usually happens. But it's the same shear. And now the Gemara gives another answer, or the answer is, didn't we say before, that there are these general places, the Braise before is telling you regarding the olives, where the olives generally grow, where the grapes generally grow, it's telling you the general places where you should look to see. But it's also telling you that there, there's ones that last later, so then you eat later than that as well. So therefore over here, this Braise, it's telling you that there's later ones that last and it goes until Hanukkah, and it's telling you the shiurim of the time frames until when it lasts in the field. Tanyer, Abshem Megamliel, Aymer. Abshem Megamliel said, Simen Lahoden. I said, Rabshem Gamliel here is going to give us a sign to see what's considered to be a mountain, a valley, and a, a, a plain, a straight area. And the Gemara is going to explain soon for what relevance this has. Simen Lahorim, a sign that this is considered to be a mountain, is Milin, when you have gallnut trees. Simen La Mokim, a simen for a valley, is the column, palm trees. Simen La Nochalim, a simen for a place which is, there are streams there, Konim, that's a, a place where reeds grow there. Similar shvela, a similar a flat area, in other words, not a mountain, not a valley. Shikma, when you have sycamore trees growing there. Now, for the last thing that it said, that the shvela is sycamore trees, even though there's no proof, but you have a hint for this. Shanema, the Pasik says, and then it says, he gave them cedar trees like the sycamores that are in a shvela, that are in a straight area. So it says, it says here that sycamores are in a straight area. The <coughs> Roif gave them a lot of this. Okay, but Ashi says it doesn't mean that every shvela has sycamore trees. It could be that. Uh, okay. Now the Gemara explains what's the relevance of all of this. Same in Laharim Milin, the fact that we're saying that the sign of a mountain is when you have these uh, galna trees and similar mokim the column and the sign for the valleys. Is the palm trees This is relevant for the halacha of bikurim. What's the halacha by bikurim? The Tanan we learned in the Mishnah. The bikurim are only brought from the shivas aminim, the seven the types that are growing in Eretz Yisrael. And then it says within those shivas aminim itself, why do we give only from the shivas aminim? Because they are the best of the land. Has to be the meaning of the shenistab shenistab chavah in Eretz Yisrael. 
And from those Shivas Aminim itself, you have to give from the best quality of the Shivas Aminim. So therefore it says, You don't bring the Shivas Aminim from the palm trees that are on the uh, mountains, because they're not good quality. And not from Pedis, from produce that grows in the valleys, which refers actually to the Chitim and Sa'idim, to the... Uh, wheat and barley that grow in the valleys so because it's the valleys and there's more water there and therefore the the grain that grows there could rot quicker it's not as good of a, as a quality so therefore the relevance of knowing exactly where is the valley and where is the mountain is to know from where you should bring the shivas aminim for uh, for the mitzvah bikurim as far as the palm trees are concerned and as far as the uh, Grains are concerned that you don't bring the grains from a valley. If you see it's a place that there are palm trees growing there, you know it's a place of a valley, and over there the palm trees are a better quality, and not the grains. Simen l'necholim konim, a place where there are reeds, so that's a place where there's a stream. Nafkemine l'nachal the halacha of nachal which is by an egla rufa. An egla rufa has to be brought out to a place, which is a nachal So if there's reeds there, that's the place where there's a, it's called nachal Simil Shvela, a simil for a flat area, a shikma with a sycamore trees growing there. Nafkemina is when you're selling something to someone, you're selling a field to him, you're selling a piece of land to him, and you tell him, I'm selling you a flat land, you tell him, a Shvela, I'm selling you. So there has to be sycamore trees in that area. If there are no sycamore trees in that area, it's not considered to be a Shvela. And it's probably either a mountain or a valley, you just don't see, you don't realize, but there has to be a place with the sycamore trees there. <coughs> So the Gemara hashte the asas lahachi. Now that you're saying that the nafkemina is for a sale, so kulanami lemekechamemke. Same is true regarding all the other ones. That if you tell someone you're selling him a valley, there has to be palm trees there. If you're telling him that you're selling him a mountain, the sign of a mountain is that there's golna trees over there. So the nafkemina of all of them could also be for this union of mekechamemke. Okay, the Mishnah continues and brings another example regarding this union of mokim shenago. When there's a specific minig in a place. In a place where there's a custom to sell small livestock to goyim. So you follow the minig to sell. In a place where the minig is not to sell small livestock, so you don't sell. What's this whole thing based on? It's based on a gzeir of chazal, which the Gemara brings in Shabbos and in a few places, that you're not allowed to sell large livestock to, uh, to goyim. And the reason is... Because if you can sell to them, like cows and oxes and things like that, you might come to also rent it to them or, or, or uh, lend it to them, and that's not allowed. Because there's a there's a chiv of shvisas behemtai b'shabbos, that your behemis are not allowed to work in Shabbos, so you're not allowed to rent or lend to a guy an animal. So in order not to come to rent it to them, so you're also not allowed to sell it to them. However, small animals, that wasn't really included in the gzeda, because small animals don't work. So therefore, you're allowed. But in a place where the minig was not to sell even small livestock, because there were guys that you might come to sell large livestock as well. So, But in all places, you don't sell either. And and even calves and siachim, which are young uh, donkeys, I believe. You're also not allowed to sell to them, because even though they're small, but nevertheless... Um, they can be easily confused with larger animals. Shleimin or shvurin. This gzeda applies whether it's animals that are whole or shvurin, even if they have <coughs> broken limbs, still, you're not allowed to sell them as well because they can easily be confused with regular large, large livestock, which can be w- working. 
Rabbi Yehuda, mate b'shvura. Rabbi Yehuda says, if it's an animal that has a broken limb, so then that's something that a person won't keep for too long. He's not going to work with it. He's going to shecht it. He's going to use it to eat. So therefore, we're not, uh, there's no issue of selling this to a guy. Ben Beseide, mater besos. Ben Beseide says, selling a horse to a guy is not an issue. And the reason is, as Rashi here brings from the Gemara and Shabbos, because selling a, um, or Gemara and Beitze, selling a horse, a horse is primarily made for riding on it. It's not made for doing any other work. So therefore, the, the Gzeid of Chazal doesn't apply to this. Mokim shenagu lechel tzoli. Another minig. And a place where the minig is that you eat roasted meat, belele psachim, on the night of Pesach. In other words, we're speaking, of course, besides the carbon Pesach. Person, and we're talking about Bisman Azeh. When a person eats the meat and Lele Pesach, so in a place where the minig is that you eat roasted meat at the night of Pesach, Eichlen, well, you can eat it. Mokim shenagu shaloy lechel. In a place where the minig is not to eat roasted meat on the night of Pesach, ain't Eichlen, you don't eat it. So the Gemara here is going to discuss this last Indian in the Mishnah. Rather in Yonah, Benigayat, and not selling to a goy livestock, that's discussed in Masech the Shabbos. Here the Gemara focuses on the last minute, Benigayat, the Karm Pesach. Amr Av Yudah Marav, Pesachu. If a person has a piece of meat, he's not allowed to say that this piece of meat is going to be dedicated, is, is, is for the time of Pesach. He's just saying, I'm, this is going to be for Pesach. Now let us say this meat is for Pesach. Why? If it looks like he's being maktish an animal and he's eating kachim outside. Right, so even though it's just a piece of meat, you can't be maktish. It's, it's not a whole animal, it's just a piece of meat. But nevertheless, it looks like a piece of meat that he's dedicating for the carbon Pesach. Even if it can't be a carbon Pesach itself, but nevertheless, you can dedicate this piece of meat for the money of it to be used towards a carbon Pesach. So even that itself is also not allowed. Says, this uh, is only when it comes to a piece of meat. Aval, chiti, if it's wheat, loy. So then a person says, These, this wheat is for Pesach, for the matzahs of Pesach. So then that's not an issue. The mintel of Pesachakama. It's clear that what he's saying is that he's guarding this wheat for the matzahs of Pesach. It doesn't mean that he's going to be using the value and the money of this wheat for the carbon Pesach. And is it not the same? When it comes to basar, that you're allowed to say that you're making the, that you're preparing this basar for Pesach. Meisvei, I'll ask you a question. It says in the Braisa, Om Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi said as follows. Tudus ish raimi. Tudus, which was a person in Rome. He was a great person. The Gemara soon is going to bring us who this uh, Tudus was. Hinig as b'nei raimi lechal g'doyim mekulosim b'leilei psachim. He made it a custom for the people of Rome to eat roasted kids, a roasted goat, on, for Pesach, the Kolossin is exactly the way it was done when they roasted it for the carbon Pesach. We'll see later in the Hemshech of the Nesechte exactly what the word Kolossin means. But he had them roasted exactly the way it was done for the carbon Pesach. And then Abelay on the night of Pesach. Shalchu the Chachamim sent him a message, Il If not for the fact that you are Tudus and you're a great person, Gazarnu Alecha Nidri. We would put you in a kind of a Chayrim. Shatamaychel es Yisrael, Kachim Bachutz. Because you're giving Eden to eat, you're bringing them to a custom to eat kachim outside the base of Mikdash. Kachim salkadaitach. So the Gemara immediately explains, is he giving them to eat kachim? It's not kachim, it's just uh, having them roasted similar to the carbon Pesach. Ela rather what he's saying is, that it's close or it's similar to eating kachim outside, and therefore you shouldn't do something which looks like you're eating kachim outside.
That was the story that Rabbi Yaisi related in this Braisa. So the Gemara says, what do you see from here? Makulas in. Only because you roasted it exactly the way the carbon Pesach was originally done, that was an issue. But she'ein makulas loy, if it's not roasted exactly the way the carbon Pesach was done, so then it's not an issue. And before we said that if you just say for any basa, this is carbon Pesach, or this is for Pesach, it's an issue. But it, it, it was a goat, it wasn't a sheep. So that's another detail. Over there was a goat, and over there was... Uh, yeah, so there it was makulas, it was a goat, it was exact, only exactly the way the carbon Pesach was done. But for any piece of basa that you say, this is for Pesach, it shouldn't be an issue. She'ein makulas loy. So the Gemara answers, no, Omri, they answered, Mikolas, if you roasted exactly the way the carbon Pesach was done, Loishna Omar, Loishna Loyamar. It doesn't make a difference if you're saying verbally, this is for the Pesach and this is not for Pesach, because you're roasting it exactly like the carbon Pesach, so it's not allowed. But Omar, if you're... Huh? Um... Again, Amri Mikulas Loishna Omar Loishna Omar doesn't make any difference if he said if, if he didn't again if it's Mikulas so then even whether he said whether he didn't say then it's no difference it's not allowed She'ena Mikulas if he's not roasting it exactly the way the carbon Pesach was done Pirish in Loi Pirish Loi so then if he said explicitly that this is for Pesach it's a problem if he didn't say explicitly then it's not a problem. Allah is that you're not supposed to say that this is for the Pesach. And today we're actually makbid when it comes to the um, Zroya that you use on the Seder that we roast it, Zecher for the Pesach. But the meaning of the Rabbein was that they would remove the meat of it as much as possible, that it shouldn't have any similarity to the carbon Pesach. And we don't eat it. We definitely don't eat it. That's a good question. I'm not sure, Mamish, if you're not sure. Because this is totally in the Mokim Shanov. I didn't see in Shachanarach. Okay. Rav Ache said, or others are good, is that this Braise that we brought before from Tudus, this is uh, who's the one that said it? Rab Shimon is the one that uh, said over this story. Not Rab Yaisi. Before it said Rab Yaisi said the story, but Rav Ache said it was Rab Shimon that said the story. Now the Gemara is going to explain what's the difference if it's Rab Yaisi or Rab Shimon. If it's Rabbi Yaisi, the one that reported this story, it's understood. But the one that uh, says that's Rabbi Shimon that reported the story, so then is it understood? There's a problem here. Let's see what Rabbi Shimon said somewhere else. So the here doesn't bring the whole story, but Rashi brings what Rav Shem is speaking about. We're talking, if you look in the Rashi, Rav Shem and Paiter. So Rashi brings the Gemara in Menachas that says, when a person says, I'm taking upon myself to bring a Mincha from Sa'irim. Now the thing is, and the dava of a mincha is not brought from Sairam. You have the mincha of Sairam that's brought by the mincha carbon oimer. But uh, when a person is menad of a mincha, it has to be brought from Sailas, which is fine flour that comes from Chitim. So when the person said, So it's nothing, it doesn't have to bring anything. The Tanakama, however, over there says, you have to be typhus loshen rishon. You have to say, look at the beginning of a statement. When he said, before he concluded the sentence and said, Mina so Mincha means he took upon himself to bring a carbon Mincha, and therefore he has to bring the carbon. Even though he concluded Mina it doesn't matter. 
Rab Shimon says, no, that you have to look at the Galoshan that Rashi here brings, and the Gemara is soon going to quote this, Af Begimar Devarov Adam Nitvas. That you have to look also at the conclusion of what he said. What did he say? He said, Menasairim. So if he said Menasairim, so then that's not a Nadava that you have to bring. He's not Menadav the way you're supposed to, and therefore his words are worthless, and he's Potter. He doesn't have to bring any Nadava. That's what Abshimen said. Again, so let's see it in the words of the Gemara inside. Vatnam, Rabshimen Paiter. Rabshimen says, the person that said, I'm bringing a mincha of Sa'irim, he's going to be Potter. Because he's not donating, he's not making the nether to bring the carbon the way people usually say it. He said, Minasairim. So, what's the Gemara's question? Over here as well, when a person says regarding a piece of meat that this is carbon Pesach or this is for Pesach, that's not Kederachamisnadvim. He didn't say that when the animal was alive, that, he's, that this animal should be a Pesach. And now when it's a piece of basar, that's not Kederech HaMesnadvim, it's just a piece of basar. So therefore, according to Rab Shimon, when you say such words, it's just Vadim Betelem, it's nothing. You're not chayev to bring a carbon when a person, a carbon mincha, when a person says it in, the, in a way that it's not Kederech HaMesnadvim. So over here as well, it's not Kederech HaMesnadvim, there should be no concern about this. You have a question if it's Rab Shimon. Because Rab Shimon says that people that speak this way, it's meaningless. But the one that says that the one that reported what, what Tudus did is Rab Yaisi speaking. Is it understood according to Rab Yaisi? But Rav said, When Rab Shimon said what he said, that the words that the person said are meaningless because lo yisnadav kederech hamesnadvim. He said it based on Rabbi Yaisi's opinion. The Omar. What did Rabbi Yaisi say? Af begemar devarav adam mitvas. When a person says something, you can't just look at the loshen risha and at the beginning of a statement. You have to look at the conclusion as well. And therefore, over here, when this person said harei alai mincha min hasa'irim, you have to look at the conclusion of his words as well. So Rabbi Shimon is saying it based on Rabbi Yaisi. So it's a question not only if it's Rab Shimon, but it's a question if it's Rab Yaisi as well. My love, don't you think? If Rab Shimon said what he said based on Rab Yaisi's opinion, that the Gemar Dvar of Adam Nitvas, Rab Yaisi Nami Savalak Rab Shimon. So Rab Yaisi would also agree to what Rab Shimon said that this Nadava is worthless because his words don't have any meaning to it. So therefore, according to Rabbi Yaisi as well, if a person today says, this this Basar is Pesach, it's nothing. It's Tam Dvarim Betelim. Says the Gemara Loi, not necessarily. Rabbi Shimon, Savalak Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Shimon is basing his opinion on what Rabbi Yaisi said, that a person's words have to be looked at fully, not just the beginning of a statement. You have to look at the Gemar Dvarim as well. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon comes to a conclusion that loy hisnadav kederach hamisnadvim, and his words are totally worthless. But v'loy Rabbi Yaisi savalok Rabbi Shimon. But Rabbi Yaisi does not agree to Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yaisi holds that you don't look only at the beginning of a statement; you have to look at the full statement of the person. However, Rabbi Yaisi doesn't say that because of that his words are worthless. Rashi over here brings in the Rashi of Hachagasina loy Rabbi Shimon. So in the middle of that Rashi, Rashi says that. Rabbi Yaisi's opinion is that A person, when he says something, his words are not worthless. True, he didn't say it in the normal way. Usually a person that's manat of a carbon mincha, you don't say menas sa'irim because you can't bring it from sa'irim. And you have to look at his full statement. But nevertheless, we have a cloud that a person does not speak his words levatola. And therefore he meant to bring a carbon mincha, so he'll still be obligated to bring, to bring a carbon mincha. So there's really three different opinions over here. 
The opinion of the Tanakhama is, you look at Lashon Rishon, what the person said in the beginning. Both Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Shimon say, you have to look at the full statement of the person, but they come to a different conclusion. Rabbi Shimon says that therefore his words are totally worthless. But Rabbi Yaisi says, even though he said something not in the usual way, but nevertheless, we don't say his words are levatala. A person doesn't say something for nothing, and therefore he's going to be obligated to bring a carbon mincha. So over here as well, regarding a person that says that this Basar is Pesach, according to Rabbi Yaisi, there's reason to be concerned about that, because his words are not levatala. Things that a person say have meaning to them. Mashiach, and according to Rabbi Shimon, no. According to Rabbi Shimon, it could be that what he said is just worthless, and it means nothing. Now the Gemara comes back to this individual of Tudus. Who was this Tudus? The question was asked. Tudus is This person, Gabra Rabahava, was he actually a great person? A good person? A great person? Or maybe he was just a violent, forceful person, and the Chachamu were afraid to tell him not to do what he's doing. Tashama, so I'll bring you a raya. We'll see that Tudus was a great person. There was a drasha that Tudus Ishraimi said, why did Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah give themselves over to die on Kiddush Hashem, in the furnace of fire? In other words, the Gemara is asking that they weren't obligated to die on Kiddush Hashem. And the reason is, Rashi says, because it says in the title, And they were being forced to do something which is not from the three Avedis that you're obligated to give over your life on Kiddush Hashem. So why did they? Give over the life of Kiddush Hashem. That's the pshat that Rashi here says. Taisvis asks on this, what do you mean? This is something that was being done publicly, the Farhesya. And when something is being taught, done publicly, so then you're obligated to give up your life of Kiddush Hashem, even for the smallest Aveda, even for a, a mitzvah kala, Taisvis says. And so Taisvis has a few pshatim over here for this. Taisvis says that it wasn't pachlal connected to Aveda Zara, it was just um, an andarta, something. It was, there's different pshatim here in Taisvis. Or the, the second pshat Taisvis says, that they could have, they had an opportunity to run away. And the question that we're asking over here is, why did they dafka go to give themselves all about Kiddush Hashem, and why didn't they run away? So where did they learn this from? So Tudus Yishraimi said, they learned it from the Tzvardeya, the Makkah of Tzvardeya. Nasukav mitzvardim. tzvardim, just like it came to the Makkah of Tzvardeya. She'eim mitzvun al-Kiddush Hashem. They're not obligated on this mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. What does the Pasuk say? They're going to go into the ovens and enter your kneading bowls. What does this Pasuk mean? When are the kneading bowls? Near the oven. When the oven is hot and you're ready, you're baking, you've got to bake the bread in the oven. And they went into the kneading bowls and they went into the hot oven. We that are obligated in the midst of Kiddush Hashem, Allah has come most definitely we're obligated to go and jump into the fire, even though we have an opportunity to run away. It's our day also had an opportunity to run away, but nevertheless they jumped into the fire. Some of Farsham ask that if you look there in the Pasik, this week's parsha, you look in the Pasik by Tsvardeya, it says It says that they're going to go into the ovens. So seemingly they were commanded to go into the ovens. They had a command. Over here, though, the whole question was that Chanani Mishal Vazari were not commanded Vachal. So there are different Tirutzim uh, that are given for this. The simple pshat is that it doesn't say in the Pasuk that they're commanded to go. The Pasuk is just telling you the story of what's going to happen. They, they, got, they had this Kiddush Hashem and they did so. But the Tzvardeya never had this command. That's when we get to that, Shaila. 
The Rebbe brings this also in a sikhir, there's a famous sikhir in Chelek Aleph, where the Rebbe discusses the, the two makis of Dam and Tzvadeya, and the Rebbe there says that the makah of Dam is about, uh, the Dam is hot, it's the chamimus of Elam Hazar, and Tzvadeya represents kaltkeit, cold, and the Rebbe says that the Tzvadeya, what they did is, they are the kaltkeit, the, the nature of Tzvadeya is he's in water, and he's cold, and the fact that they jumped into fire shows that they, not only they went al Kiddush Hashem, but they did something which was totally heipichtivam, something that's completely cold, to do something to jump into fire which is totally hot. Because Kiddush Hashem doesn't sometimes mean to give up your life, but it also means to do something which is completely opposite your nature. That's what the concept of Tzvadeya, jumping into fire, represents. Besides that, the Rebbe says what it refers to is that the Tzvadeya jumps into the fire, meaning that is the, the, the hotness and the koch of Elam Hazer, and the Tzvardeya brings kaltkeit to cool down the koch that there is in Elam Hazer. That's what this uh, Mesiris Nefesh represents. Sometimes it's a big Mesiris Nefesh for a person to cool down the, uh, the heat of the oven of Elam Hazer. Okay, so this is a drasha that to this Ishraimi said, we see that he was a great person. Rabbi Yaisi Bar Oven Omar, and Rabbi Yaisi Bar Oven says another thing about this Tudus. He was a person that supported Tamid HaChachamim. He would give merchandise to the Tamid HaChachamim to be able to do business with. A person that not only supports Tamid HaChachamim with money, but he actually gives them merchandise to be able to do business themselves. He's able to sit in Ganeiden in the Yeshiva Shomayla. And the shadow of wisdom is in the shadow of money. If in other words, he, because he supported, he gave money, he gave merchandise to Tamid HaChachamim, he able to sit in the Yeshiva Shalmaila. So this was this Tudus, he was a great person. Zakhtar Mishnah, another subject when he gave to a Minig. Machim Shinogu Lahadlikas Anebu put him in a place where the Minig is to keep a candle burning on the night of Yom Kippur, Matlikim. You have a candle burning in the house. Machim Shinogu Shalei Lahadlik, in the place where the Minig is not to have a candle burning, you don't light a candle on Yom Kippur. But you certainly could light and should light a candle in the Beis HaKnesses, in the Beis HaMedrash, in dark alleyways, and by a sick person that needs light. Morana explains, those that had the minik to light the candle on Yom Kippur, and those that had the minik not to light, they both were doing it for the same purpose. And Rashi explains, because the reason is, because there's an Isra of Tashmish Amitah on Yom Kippur, a person may not have relations with his wife on Yom Kippur. So those that lit the candle, the purpose was that the, the house, the room, should be lit, and in such a place, you're not allowed to have relations. And the other one that had it dark was for the same purpose. So a person shouldn't see his wife, so he shouldn't come to be together with her. It's the same purpose. So Amir Rabbi Shua, Tzadikim, all of your nation are tzaddikim, loyalim yeshuaretz, and they all inherit the land. In other words, ben shamru lahadlik, ben shamru shaloy lahadlik, both those that had the minik to light, and both the ones that had the minik not to light, shneim leniskavnu el l'davar echad, they're both doing it for a positive purpose. V'amich kulam tzaddikim, it's both a minik that is uh, for a good reason, that they don't want to have relations with their wife in Yom Kippur. In this Gemara, you see a more general thing when you have the differences of minhagim, so you shouldn't judge anybody, oh, my minik is better than your minik. The Gemara here is pointing out or the Lashon that's usually brought, Nara, Nara, Pashte, everyone has their minig, and it's, Dover Echad Neskapnu, all the Menhagim are all, for the same purpose, to do it for the Eibish to say. Amar Av Yudah Mashmuel, Eim Mevarchen, Ala Eir, you don't make a Brache, and the Avdala candle, El Be Matzah Shabbos, only Matzah Shabbos. 
but not any other time. Because that's the time when light was, when the fire was created. said, thank you, yes, this is true. And this is what Rabbi Yechanan said, that he'd only make the bracha of Bayram Ayyayayish on Matzah Shabbos. Ule have a rochiv chamre v'ozel. Ule was traveling on a donkey. Rabbi Shokov v'ozel, he was going. And Rabbi Abba Mimine, Rabbi Abba was on his right side. Rabbi Babachane Nesmole. And Rabbi Babachane was on his left side. Omle Rabbi Abba lo Ule, so Rabbi Abba tells Ule, Badai de Omrisu Mishmei de Rabbi Yechanan. Is it true what you said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan? That you only make a bracha on only because that's the time when it was created. There's no other time that you make a other than Matzah Shabbos. Is this true? You said this in the name of Rabbi Yechenin? So Hadar Ula, so Ula turned his face and Chazabei and he took a look at Rabbi Babachana. Bishus, he looked at him angrily. In other words, it was Rabbi Babachana that said so. So Ula was looking at Rabbi Babachana. You said this in the name of Rabbi Yechenin. But he didn't say anything, he just looked at him. Omalei, so Rabbi Babachana answered, Ano lav aho omri. I was misquoted. I didn't say what Rabbi Yechanan said regarding this. El aho omri. I said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan regarding something else. The Tanitana Kameh de Rabbi Yechanan, there was a Tana that said in front of Rabbi Yechanan as follows. That Rabbi Shemib ben Eloza says, Yem Kippurim Shechaliyaz B'Shabbos, when Yem Kippur falls out in Shabbos, Af B'Makim Shomru Shaloy Lahadlik, even there are in the places where the minig was that in Kippur, you don't light a candle, madlikim. But if it's Shabbos as well, you have to light if they cover the Shabbos because of Shabbos. But Rabbi Yechenim responded and said, "Chachamim say that you don't light a candle not on the regular in Kippur, and even if it fell out on Shabbos, also not." Yeah, this this should be true. Yeah, this I agree. This Rabbi Yechenim said. Okay, so this was the conversation that happened when they were traveling on the road. On this, the Gemara comments, what happened over here? Ula, when he was asked this question, he turned and looked at Rabbi Babachana. He didn't say a word. He just looked at Rabbi Babachana with an angry face. And Rabbi Babachana immediately responded and said, it wasn't me, I didn't say so. So the Gemara says, Kari Allah Rav Yasef, Rav Yasef said regarding this exchange, Mayim Amukim, like deep waters, eights of Vish, an advice that's in the heart of a person, but a person that understands Yidlana will draw it out. What does this mean? This is Ula. Meaning Ula, when he had a taina against Rabbi Babachari, he didn't have to say anything. He left it in his heart. He just looked at him. He just looked at him. Gave him a stern look. And a wise man can draw it out. This refers to Rabbi Babachana because he was able to understand what the hint meant when he looked at him and he immediately responded and explained that he said something else. But now the Gemara explains, wait a minute, what was the original thing that the Gemara brought that Rabbi Babachana said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan? That you only make the bracha on Matzah Shabbos, any other time. So apparently they disagreed with this. There's another time when you make a Bayer Meire Eish besides Matzah Shabbos. So who do they hold like? What is this? So the Gemara explains, V'inu commands Sovrua, and they that hold that it's not only Matzah Shabbos, who do they hold according to? They hold of what Rabbi Yom Bar Yefes said in the name of Rabbi Yechenin. You make the brach of Bayer Meire Eish on Matzah Shabbos, but also on Matzah Yom Kippur. So there's another time when you make a Bayer Meire Eish. And this is also the way people conduct themselves. The meaning is that you make a Bayer Meire Eish also on Matzim Kippur. And that's why Ula, Rabbi Babachana, all these Amiraim, 
did not hold of what was quoted in the name of Rabbi Yechen, and that it's only on Matzah Shabbos.